they lost the world record egg. Ain't nobody dope as me. I'm just so fresh, so clean. Do, do you know that song, Tom? <laughs> I, I do know that song. I okay. couldn't sing the next lyric. Do you know who you. the artist is? I do not know the artist. Andre 3000 and Big Boy. And Big Boy. Wow. Who's do you know creative? who that is? Andre 3000? No. Do you know who Andre 3000 is? I mean, these are all names that I've heard before. Big Boy, yeah. They were a rap collective, hip hop duo. Ah, uh, yes. Run DMC. You're being serious, right? Ah, uh, yes. The Cohen brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Your guess. <laughs> y- you guessing what's on <laughs> Sam's mug would have been a better guess than that. Nirvana? <laughs> yeah. That's good. You have no idea. Uh, give me one more chance. NWA. Oh <laughs> my god. Okay, I actually two do, guys. I do know NWA. Two guys. Hey, really? that, that the first letter hey Steve, of hey NWA Steve. is just hold a plural. On, on, it doesn't hold mean. On, hold on. Hey Steve, what's cooler than being cool? Ice cold. Ice cold. Even I know that. All right, come on so now. So who is that? Yeah. Who's the five? Uh, Ice Cube, because it's ice cold. You have no idea who who does that song. <laughs> hey ya. Oh, Outkast? There it is. Oh, are we talking about Atlanta already? Are we getting into it? Coming to you from a shanty three-bedroom Northside apartment, the Sons of Honarchy. On today's episode, Machado and Harper signing rants from the boys. In addition, a spring training update and predictions on next season, as well as a very special interview with Dan Victor, blogger with Southside Sox on SB Nation. All presented by The Loop Sports and sponsored by 26 Shirts and Sinky. In the NL East now? Really? You think so? Absolutely. What did they do this offseason? Double or nothing bet? We because, already got bets. Because I'm season. already going to win the Rodon bet. No, you're not. No, you're not. What was it? 3-4-5? We settled on 3-4-7, right? We settled on 3-4-7. And I'm over. Uh, I'm under and you're over? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm over. You're a bitch. That's why. Oh, no. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> I'm just a realist. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm an idealist, so... You're an idealist. And in my ideal world, the the Braves, the Indians, the Redskins, they wouldn't exist. And in my ideal world, the White Sox would have signed Bryce Harper or <laughs> Manny Machado. I'm not even asking for one. Or both. I'm asking for one. I, um, I hear you. I... I've been flip-flopping day in, day in, day out, man. I like, I wanted Machado so bad, but I wanted him for eight years at like $250 million, which is what they offered him, right? Basically. Yep. Eight for $250. With that's guaranteed. Guaranteed. With and the $100 million of incentives. Of incentives. And that would have been a good deal, I think. Well, yeah, but the problem is... Unless it is guaranteed money, it means jack shit. And you know that. Well, that's why they offered it to him. Because it's like you have the opportunity, like if you're playing well and we win a World Series, then you get $100 million. But I mean, we don't, do we know, does anybody know the details of the incentives at all? Like, was it well, sky high? Was it just like it was play games 
in it, general? Well, he was guaranteed. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but he was guaranteed X amount of dollars for the last two years of the contract. Yeah. As long as he had, was it 500 plate appearances? He'd have at least 500, such, 500 plate appearances. How That's such a low bar. It's just basically staying healthy. Yeah, like just play the game of baseball. Or if the White Sox got really good, the big thing is if the White Sox got really good and had a third base prospect that, or a DH that was going to be hitting better than Machado, then they yeah. would just sit him and they wouldn't have to pay him All those he, bonuses. <laughs> he gets right? 499 F-ads. <laughs> you know that. Come on. With oh, how with how Omar bad Miskell forgets to take him out of the game. At, oh God, <laughs> Rick Hans, Rick Hans running down. Rick Rick Hans is take him out of the game. Rick Hans is throwing stuff out of the out of the press box. I see it right now. That's a hundred million dollar at bat right there. Yeah, that'd be hilarious, man. If we could go, if there's an alternate universe where he signs that contract, that's happening in in eight years. Yeah. I, I want to be in that universe for sure. Damn. Yeah, but I mean, I, in general, though, I'm flip, flip-flopping back and forth. It's like, once the contract was signed, and then the Bryce Harper contract, 13 years, dude's going to be... 38. 38 years old. Be no, 39, right? Technically 38 when the contract when, if, the, when the contract is ending. Got it. So, God, mm-hmm. you're paying a 39-year-old. 38 year old. I can't do it. I I I'm, I have I had in my head he was going to be 39. I man, I should be that little kid though that I said you saw that video yeah, the, I posted, right? We got Bryce Harper. I should be that kid. <laughs> you should be that kid and you're 13 years. That should be you screaming about Manny Machado or Bryce we Harper. We got Manny Machado. But that's not it. That's no. not us. And as you saw, White Sox Twitter is pissed too. Talk about that, Tom. What are your feelings on that? I think White Sox Twitter is overreacting. I really you think do. they're overreacting? I really do. Okay, explain why you think they're overreacting then. Okay. From my perspective, I walked into the offseason and I said to myself, you know, I would be okay if they didn't sign either. I'd be okay. I And like... I was kind of with the White Sox organization then in that sense of like, if we're at the table, that's a win. That being said, over the course of the offseason, hopes were built up and like we were actually really seriously in the running. Right. And we were about to seriously in the running, like number one in the running. Yes. For Machado. That's what I'm seriously in the running. Like this was no jokes. We were about to land him. Right. And so that got my hopes sky high. And I was like, okay, I'm on board now. If we're going to get him, we're going to get him. We better go out and get him. And then all of those hopes were dashed. And I, and I went back and I was like, why did I let my hopes get up in the first place? When I, at the beginning of the offseason, I convinced myself I would be fine if they didn't sign him in the first place. So you're back to being okay. I'm back to being okay. Because I was sitting here like, that was my expectation at the start of the offseason. It's just like... Be a, a contender. Be a like a place that people will look and be like, "Wow, they were about to sign a two hundred fifty million million dollar check." That means that next off season, we can write a two hundred fifty million dollar check to a guy who's to who though? Who is it going to be a generally generational talent? 
age 26, has so many years of proven greatness at the MLB level. The mm-hmm. amount of offensive production, the amount of, especially in Machado's situation, the defensive production, and he's talking about how he's playing. You know, he's been playing third base in these spring break in these spring yeah, training games. Yeah, who are you gonna get next year? Why has it got to be one player? It doesn't have to be one player, but can one player make that huge difference? Don't the White Sox already have the pieces, or hopefully have the pieces? And that's the that's to build the other around thing. a superstar. Why does it have to be building around a superstar when we have all these pieces? You know, we have a great team. Uh, let's say, you know, next year. I don't, I don't know who's going to be on the market next year or the year after that. Can I answer that question right away? Nolan Arenado is not going to be no, on the market. No, he's is not. that what no, you're no, about no, to no. say? No, what I'm asking is, can I answer the question of why does it have to be one guy? Do it. Because look at your team right now. Who's the pressure on? Mankata. Your, your pressure is on a 23-year-old or 22, 23-year-old Yohan Moncada, who literally just had his first season in the MLB. He's had first already full season. first full season in the MLB. He's had so much pressure put on him already. Yeah. There are so many high expectations. When he is such a developing player, he yeah. can he has such a high ceiling. The problem is there's so much hype around Moncada, and there's like not enough hype around other players. There's not enough pressure being taken off of his shoulders. There's not enough pressure being taken off of TA's shoulders. There's not enough yeah. pressure being taken off of what will be Eloy's shoulders. Yeah. You could have done that with a superstar talent. You had the open blank check. You had all of your res- you had the opportunity. You had Rick Hahn going out here saying that we have the resources to spend. We are not yeah. going to be limited in the offseason. And I was lied to. I was lied to by this front office. And okay, I demand on, an apology. Oh. I demand an apology oh from the White God. Sox front office. Oh, you're so extra. I, this is what I'm saying. Like, all of White Sox Nation is in your boat right now saying all that stuff. And it's like, here's the deal. You weren't the one writing the check. You don't even... If, if I'm talking... If I'm talking... That's the thing. If I'm talking to White Sox Nation right now and how mad they are, if you're mad that they didn't write the check, where were you two years ago? I was at the ballpark. Where were you? A lot of these fans were at the ballpark. Bullshit. A lot of these fans were at the ballpark. Bullshit. I'm telling you, man, I see the ballpark when there's 10,000 people there, and I'm the only only one yelling. So if I'm mad that they're not writing a check, it's whose fault is it? It's our fault. We should have been there, man. We should support the team when they're bad. See, and I'm... I'm with you as supporting the team when it's bad, especially the team. I can't support this. I can't support the front office. I cannot support Ken Williams or Jerry Reinsdorf right now because they are literally just shitting, shitting all over number one, our hopes, and number two, they are just absolutely demolishing what could have been an amazing. What has the potential to be an amazing franchise? Yeah, that's how I'm feeling about it and right it, now. Here's so, th- it still has the potential to be an amazing franchise, but if you're okay, let me just backtrack for a second because I, I hear you on that. The front office sucks, but that has like, but talking about boycotting going to the game is so, too much because then you're hurting the players too. I agree. So here is my here's my take. So All you right. you want to hear me because I'm ready. You, you obviously can tell that I am fired up like most of White Sox Twitter right now. Can't believe this is happening. Jerry Reinsdorf won't open up his checkbook. 
Ken Williams lied to us. Rick Hahn is a lawyer speak and expects us. Or he won't die either. Right. You know, Rick Hahn is giving us lawyer speak and expecting us to take it at face value, take it as what it is. Okay. I'm with you. I'm not going to boycott the ballpark. I'm not going to boycott supporting my team, plain and simple. Seriously. Like, I've yes. seen so many people on Twitter, obviously, being like, fuck this team, I'm boycotting the team. But you're still tweeting about the team, right? Yeah. Obviously, and giving exposure. You're putting White so Sox you're doing content that. out there. Right, exactly. So, you know what? I'm not boycotting the team either. Yeah, I'll we're, tell you we're sitting here recording a podcast I'll about the team. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, Steve, Steve Smirt, Steve-O, Smirtle, drunk, shock, drunk shy Sox fan. Yes. Here is my oath to you and my big middle finger to Jerry Reinsdorf, to Ken Williams, to the organization. Hit me with it. I am boycotting beer sales at the ballpark this season. Wow. Until they put a winning product out on the field, I am boycotting beer sales. Watch this. So am I actually hitting them in the pocketbook? If I'm not going to games, not really, because I buy upper deck tickets anyway, right? It's five dollars and thirty four cents on a Sunday. It's seven dollars and eighty four cents on a weekday. Wow, he's got right? the tax unless figured it's, out too. Uh, yep, unless it's a pre- <laughs> unless it's a premium game, right? Unless it's he really knows exactly, <laughs> exactly. And even then, it's like nine or yeah. maybe eleven, yeah. right? So there we go. So I'm not spending, or so I am going to spend my five dollars, my seven dollars, whatever, or. The point is, we want to see the exactly. ball players. I'm gonna and I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna buy those upper deck tickets because number one, the other seats are not getting filled in, so I can move. And yes. number two, if I really want to buy nice seats, I'm gonna go support the season ticket holders that have been invested yeah. in this shit for a long time. Yeah, right, big time. So that's where I'm at. You're gonna right? buy from them. Heck yeah. However, beer sales, right? I'm gonna hit. Fuck it. I'm gonna hit. We're gonna. I am going to hit. <laughs> Jerry Reinsdorf in his pocketbook hard by not buying beer. I probably Preach. bought more in beer last year at ball games, especially with, with how bad they were. Yes. I probably bought more in beer than I did in buying tickets. Right? Yeah. No, I know you did. I know you did. I was there when Juan Manaya walked five guys in a row. Drunk Shy Sox fan, right? Yes. Yes, I, I the, saw I you. I earned the nickname. Yes. So I earned, earned that nickname well this past year. But I'm going to continue earning my nickname. And how am I doing that? Tailgates and yes. the red line, baby. Yes. Tailgates and the red line. I'm making sure I don't spill on more Cubs fans this year. Yeah, please. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> he, he had no idea what was coming. No, that's such a good one. <laughs> when he got on the train that day, he had no idea. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> This is Steve Smurt, a.k.a. on Twitter, at Drunk Shy Sox Fan, Steve-O, with our producer. This is uh, Sam Bruns, uh, a.k.a. at I'm not on Twitter, don't try to follow me, you'll find nothing. Excellent. And today, for our ad readings, we are pairing up together to read a couple ads to you, who this podcast is brought to you by first off we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to the loop sports uh for sponsoring our podcast uh and basically being our go-to people uh so we very much appreciate it shout out to you andres johansson 
Uh, second, uh, we have... Yeah, spark that forest. Spark the forest, baby. Um, on that note, Sam, we have a little bit of competition. Are you ready to hear the rules? I'm ready to hear the rules. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Each ad, if I'm not mistaken, has about the same amount of lines. I think one ad has one less ad reading, or one less uh, line. Now, what we're going to have to do is at the end of saying the ad's name, you have to take a shot of beer. Just a shot of beer? Just a shot of beer? Just a shot of beer. Now, that's just after you say the name of who we are reading this ad for. Sounds good. Who's uh, who's my uh, lucky uh, lucky uh, capitalist despot today? So you are actually going to be doing the reading for twenty six shirts. So after every time you say twenty six shirts, I'm going to make sure I have a shot of beer prepared for you. And after you say twenty six shirts, you take a quick shot of beer. Now I'm going to be timing you. I'm going to do the one for Seat Geek. You're going to time me. Okay. Whoever does it quicker gets the shot. To, gets the cho- choice to either take a shot of Tom or do. Or give the shot of Tom or do. Okay. Sounds good to you? Yeah. All right. Do you want to read first? Do you want me to read first? You want to flip a coin? We can flip a coin. Tails. Heads. It's heads. So I am. You are going first. Okay. And we're excited to partner with 26 shirts again for the month of March. March. Wow. 26 shirts. <laughs> Sells cool t-shirts. Backed by an even cooler mission. Helping people in need. Every two weeks, they offer an exclusive t-shirt for $25. And a portion of the proceeds comes uh, from each sale goes to help a person or family in need. Or an organization heavily involved in the community. Or uh, in community outreach. Jeez. The artist who provides the design receives a percentage. A life is impacted. And you will get a limited edition sports-themed t-shirt that will go uh, into the 26 shirts. Vault and never be printed again. Portions of the proceeds from these sales go to, uh, of the sh- these shirts uh, go to help a person in need of a serious financial assistance due to overwhelming medical bills. You can read more about this particular cause on the website. Thank you to 26 Shirts. For sponsoring... What? Whatever. Uh, oh, God. Where am I? Thank you for uh, for sponsoring the podcast for the month of March. Go to 26Shirts.com dot com to order your shirt and help a worthy cause. You did not tell me this was going to be an IPA. All right, a minute 27. Not bad at all. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. You ready for this? Okay, let's uh, pull yours up. Shout shout out to the 108 for the great bottle opener. All right. Ready? Yeah. SeatGeek is a ticket... Search engine that never loses sight of the fan experience. Simply go to their website, type in the name of a team, and choose the date you're looking to attend. SeatGeek will present you 
with a graphic chart of the stadium where you can then choose your seats and tickets based on a score system that determines the best value. If you've never used SeatGeek before, we partnered with them to give you a great deal. Apply the coupon code, the Loop Sports at checkout to take $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. A $50 night for two at the ballpark becomes dirtier. A $23 trip by yourself turns into just $3 with the coupon code, the Loop Sports. You have no excuse not to go root for your favorite team. Just apply the code, the Loop Sports at checkout and have a great time on us. Thank you to SeatGeek for partnering with us here at the Loop Sports. One minute and three seconds. Woo. Steve Smurt, better at drinking than me. Who would have guessed that? <laughs> Drunk Shy Sox fan, here to represent. Okay. So, you've won the contest. You have a shot of Ptolemy Dew to do with what you please. What are you going to do now? So, our deal was I have, I get to take it or I get to pawn it off. And... I'm deciding to pawn it off onto Tommy the next time we see him for skipping out on this ad reading session. Sounds good. One thing that is bright for the most part yeah. is the future. The future. Future In our minor league system. Right? Um, so that leads us to an opportunity that we received as a podcast yes. to interview a Great blogger for Southside Sox, which is a blog through SB Nation. Uh, we interviewed Dan Victor. Uh, Dan is a North Carolina resident and yes, is yes. a uh, season ticket holder and booster club member for the <laughs> Canapolis Intimidators. <laughs> I like uh, that you threw in the booster club member. Very like true. It's important fact and, <laughs> um, and Dan is a big fan uh, as well as a huge supporter and writer for... Uh, White Sox Nation when it comes to all the teams down in the Carolinas. Yeah. Um, specifically um, when it comes to the uh, Intimidators as well as the Winston-Salem Dash. Yeah. So, yeah. on that note, let's switch over to give it a listen. Well, first and foremost, Dan, uh, we just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the Sons of Honarchy podcast. This is the beginnings of our podcast, so we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us. Well, I'm happy to join you guys. Well, first off, Dan, if you don't mind, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what got you into White Sox baseball, and specifically with the minor league system. Sure. Uh, my name is Dan Victor. I can be followed on Twitter at SlideDano70 at Twitter.com. And uh, I used to work in the demolition business. As a matter of fact, um, we did the project where uh, we did the demolition at Wrigley Field where they um, tore it down so they could do the renovations. We also took off the uh, upper decks of the new Comiskey Park, which is now called Guaranteed Rate Field, um, when they did the renovations there. So I travel all, all over the country for demolition projects. And three years ago, I ended up down here in the Carolinas and um, right here in White Sox baseball country because we have uh, three – affiliates within an hour and a half and being from northwest indiana and a region guy it was perfect for me and when that project ended about six months ago i decided i wasn't coming back to do any more demolition work and i, I took a job with uh, a company down here and get to see more baseball games yeah for sure you gotta love the opportunity to 
be able to see some minor league baseball games down there, especially with the lack of professional teams. So thanks for giving us a quick minute to tell us a little bit about your story and who you are. Um, Now, moving into the minor league system with the White Sox, who or what would you say is the biggest highlight of last season from what you saw, especially amongst the low A, high A, and triple A levels that you got to watch firsthand? Well, last year, obviously, in the minor leagues, I think it was more lowlights with all of the injuries than it was highlights. But I think uh, Luis Gonzalez was a great highlight for the White Sox system last year. Um, He hit the cover off the ball in Kannapolis. He got promoted and didn't lose a beat when he moved up to uh, Winston-Salem. He had 40 doubles, 14 home runs. He just got better as the season went on. And I'm very impressed with him, and I feel very positively about his – long-term potential yeah he's definitely a guy that surprised me and he was never even on my radar until probably about I would say early May of last year kind of a guy that I'd never really heard of and came out of the blue Uh, one thing that I do want to ask you obviously I saw he was hitting the cover off the ball and it was great to see his progression in regards to that how is he in the field what's his glove like he's a fantastic defensive outfielder he can really go get him. I saw him make some amazing plays in center field. One against the Delmarva Shorebirds early in the season was pretty comparable to the uh, the Willie Mays over-the-shoulder grab at the polo grounds that we've seen in all the iconic video. Yeah, that's super cool that you get to see a player like Luis Gonzalez uh, and his progression from being in Kannapolis and working his way up to Winston-Salem and kind of the tools that he has to be a great major league player in the future. Uh, One thing that I do want to rack your brain about is actually something on the pro level. Um, Players that did start off in the minor league system but now have progressed their way into playing in the majors. And the one question I do have for you is the move uh, that Yohan Moncada made from second base to third base. And I kind of want to know what your opinion is on that and if you just have any general thoughts on that. I'm not a fan of moving a guy off of his position when when he's still trying to get his bat worked out at the major league level. I think it puts extra stress on, on both sides of the ball when he's trying to adapt to the new position. But I do believe in Moncada, and I think that I think he's going to be a superstar one day. We just need to give him the time to uh, and take some of the pressure off of him. Um, I think the the move was made because they spent a lot of money on Madrigal, you know, six point four million dollar signing bonus, and they want him to be in the big leagues. And uh, he's supposed to be a plus defender, and and his size obviously um, doesn't lead to the uh, the offensive profile of a third baseman, like, you know, Moncada obviously has that profile offensively. So it makes sense, I imagine, to uh, to make the move. I just don't think it makes it very easy on Moncada. Yeah, one thing that's really not mentioned uh, when we're in White Sox news is how Moncada is still a developing player. Um, obviously, there's an emphasis on how this was his first full season, how he had struggles, but those struggles are always mentioned with the bat and we never think about how the glove can also have an emphasis on that. And I think this transitions really well into my next question that I had for you. And it's obviously why Moncada is 
leaving the second base position and moving to third, and it's Nick Madrigal. Um, I just missed him play when I was down watching all the minor league teams last year. He had just left Arizona the day me and my dad left for Charlotte uh, to go to Birmingham. Um, big expectations for a first-round pick, which has not panned out well for the White Sox in the past decade. Um, how high is his ceiling, uh, do you think, Dan? And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of Jose Altuve references. and I was wondering if you think if there's anything close with this or if uh, this is a fair assessment at all. No, it's not fair to compare them to Altuve. They are a similar uh, stature, and they play the same position on the diamond. But uh, Madrigal has unbelievable bat-to-ball skills. His K rate last year was insanely low, 2.8%, which was basically a, a carryover of what he did in college. But, you know, there was a lot of talk about his opposite field spray chart. If you look at the spray chart, um, it looks like a left-handed pull hitter. It doesn't look like a right-handed hitter. Um but they said that may have been related to a wrist injury. Uh, he only had nine doubles in 42 games at Oregon um, Oregon State last year. So uh, I think we should temper our expectations and, and you know, not compare him to a six-time All-Star and uh, and guy that's won an MVP award. You know, right. when Altuve was 21, he hit 389 between high A and double A with 10 home runs and also made his big league debut. Madrigal is going to be 22 a week from today, actually, on March 5th, and he will be, uh, you know, maybe this season he'll be taking his first swings at double-A. Absolutely. And with that being said, when do you think, if you have any idea, when do you think he'll be ready by to come up to the major league level? Because especially with this Moncada move to third, I'm kind of getting the feeling that the organization is kind of pushing him out a little bit too quick, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that too. I think they're rushing him a little bit as well. Um, I imagine that he's going to tell the organization, you know, when he's ready by his performance, um, and we won't really uh, get a good guess on, on when he's ready until we see him and how he responds to double-A pitching. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they have him on a fast track and they want him to be in the big leagues in a year or two. For sure. Now, moving on from that, uh, thinking about all of the levels, low A, high A, double A, triple A, who do you think the most breakout player on each level is going to be for this season? At low A with Kannapolis, I think uh, Luis Curbelo, uh, Michael Hickman, and Steele Walker are probably going to have uh, the best chances at breaking out this year. Cabello's been limited by injuries, but he does have a very strong pedigree. He's a big kid, about 6'3", 205, excellent physical condition. I kind of see a parallel with what Mike Rodolfo did two years ago at Canapolis when he broke out with what uh, Cabello might be able to do this year. And I talked to Cabello at the end of the season and asked him about his expectations and uh, – He's got some really high goals for himself. Hickman uh, hit the ball. He hit the cover off the ball for the last 14, 15 games of last year. It was pretty otherworldly the way he was hitting the ball. And he's going to have a, a path to more playing time, I think, this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. And then Steel Walker, he was hampered by the oblique injuries. He had some hamstring issues. He had a 
insane travel schedule when he went from Arizona to Great Falls to Kannapolis right out of college, plus the excitement of the draft. I think that, you know, people are too quick to hold that stat line against him, and I think he's going to just crush the ball at Kannapolis to start the season. I'm assuming that's where he's going to be placed. I think his ascension will be a lot like uh, Gonzalez the year before, probably spend a half season at Kannapolis and then move up to Winston at, after the All-Star break if everything plays out as planned. At high A, I like uh, Tate Blackman and Tyler Frost. They both have strong offensive profiles. Tyler Frost is a, a small guy for a right fielder, has an absolute cannon for an arm. He has big pull side power. Uh, Tate Blackman has an offensive profile for a second baseman, plus a pretty good pretty good eye. He had a lot of strikeouts last year, but he had a, a good walk rate of 12%. Um, at double-A, Jimmy La- uh, Lambert and Gavin Sheets um, seem like obvious candidates. Uh, Sheets, I'm excited to see what Matt Lyle can do with him about getting some lift in his swing. and just He's, he's built. He reminds me of a uh, little Mark McGuire when he came out of college, the, the younger version with the big uh, tree trunk arms and whatnot. But um, so far he hasn't tapped into his, his plus raw power. Uh, I think that this could be the year. But I'm really excited to see what Gonzalez and Tyler Johnson could do there. You know, obviously they broke out last year, but I'd like to see them continue to add to their resume of success. Yeah, and a quick question in regards to Gavin Sheets. I've read a lot slash seen a lot uh, in regards to kind of this, you alluded to it a little bit, uh, but this power that he possibly has but really hasn't tapped into in the high A setting uh, that he was in last year. Can you talk a little bit more on that? Well, I I think the first two years he's been focusing on, uh, on making good, solid contact. And, uh, you know, the strikeout rate has been good. Uh, the walk rate's been good. The only thing is I think that uh, Matt Lyle's addition to the organization, Matt Lyle has always emphasized hitting fly balls and, uh, and you know, driving the ball um, more so than other disciplines that the White Sox have seen in the organization in the past. And I think that that's going to help him uh, get some lift in the swing and start putting the ball over the fence more often. You know, he has a major league pedigree. His father was a home run hitter. Um, he's, a, like I said, a big, strong kid. And he looks like a guy that can hit 30 home runs. If you see him on the street, you would say that's a guy that could hit 30 home runs. So in regards to AAA, who do you think can make a significant enough impact and kind of be here to stay on the major league level? Um, Sebi Zavala is going to make a difference at the major league level I think this year he's a very uh, very smart catcher he, uh, he his defense is I think um, ahead of this his defense is good not so much um, the stopping of the running game but it's so hard to judge catchers in the minor leagues because you know the pitchers are working on holding runners as much as they're worrying on, working on throwing guys out so sometimes a guy will have a slow pickoff move or a slow uh, home to, I mean, mound to home delivery and, and then impedes the catcher. And then all we see is the stats of the uh, caught stealing percentage, and it makes the, the catcher look bad. But 
I thought he was an exceptional defensive catcher in 2016 when he was with Kannapolis the first time around. I never saw a guy pay more attention to game situations than I saw him because uh, if there was a guy sleeping, Sebi was going to pick up on that, and he he picked off guys at first base like with an insane insane amount. And uh, he also has some good pop. He's in excellent physical condition. He's very athletic. He's bilingual, so he can communicate with all the pitchers. And uh, they really like throwing the ball to him. I was talking to Carson Fulmer last year and uh, asked him about Sebi, and his quote was, Sebi is the truth. And I thought that was a pretty cool take on Sebi Zavala. Yeah, it's really good to hear about Zavala's defense because every time – I hear about Sebi Zavala. I always hear about his bat. I always hear, oh, Sebi, Sebi's hitting this well. Sebi's raking. Sebi's average is here. He's, you know, slugging at this percentage, and his power numbers are above average for a catcher. So it's it's really good to hear you compliment his defense as well because I've always heard that's one of his kind of not-so-strong suits, especially in comparison to Zach Collins, who – Definitely defense is his game, and knowing the zone and framing pitches is definitely his strong suit. So it's really great to hear that Sebi has the abilities and the potential to be good behind the plate in the major leagues as well. Yeah, Sebi's a very, very smart kid, and I think that I think he's going to be a great addition to the team. Excellent. So Moving on, uh, MLB Pipeline just came out with their top 100 list not too long ago of top 100 minor leaguers in Major League Baseball. Uh, from the White Sox, we've got six on the list, Eloy, Kopech, Cease, Robert, Madrigal, and Dunning. Now, looking at that list um, and thinking about maybe who you believe can crack that list this year or was left off the list that you believe should be on the list, are there one or maybe two names that come to mind uh, right off the bat? Um, well, the most likely candidates for me would be Luis Gonzalez and um, Mike Adolfo and probably Steele Walker. Those would probably be the, the big three that I could see making the uh, making the transition into top 100. But it's it's tough for guys like Gonzalez because, you know, the age – that they're playing at the level they're playing. And uh, those lists tend to put a lot of credence in the guys playing at a, you know, age below par. Um, and the guy can't help it if he went to college, you know. They, they seem to emphasize tools and youth over, um, sometimes over uh, statistics when, when you're dealing with a college graduate. But uh, if Gonzalez hits the ball like he did last year, I know he can play great defense. I can see him moving on to that list. And, uh, Mike Rodolfo has insane power, and I'd like to see him uh, come back from his Tommy John surgery, you know, no worse for wear. And he has unbelievable throwing arm, good power. He's impressive. He's one to dream about because if he maximizes his ceiling, he could be impressive. And then Steel Walker, like I said, I think that all the injuries, his travel, his draft season, I think that all played into it last year. But, uh, the kid can hit like there's no tomorrow. And he also he didn't make an error last year in his 30-something games. And he also didn't make an error, I think, in his college senior year or maybe it was uh, with Team USA with the collegiate national team. So I think his defense might be a little bit underrated. 
One guy that we've yet to talk about today is Blake Rutherford, and I was a little surprised that he was left off the top 100 list this year, uh, as well as I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. A lot of that, I think, has to deal with his power numbers from this past year in Winston-Salem, but I wanted to get your thoughts on Blake Rutherford and maybe what are the main reasons why scouts are sleeping on him so much. Yeah, he's playing... um you know, he's younger than the, the people he's playing against. And his, his numbers are good. I think that being a first-round pick with the Yankees and he had a uh, reputation as a power hitter, I think maybe people are holding it against him. But he's he's a skinny kid. He's built a lot like the guy he works out with in the offseason, you know, Christian Yelich. Um, and wouldn't it be nice if we could get a Christian Yelich-like performance out of Blake Rutherford? That would be impressive. Yeah, and especially getting to see him play in Winston-Salem and the game that I went to, he had a multi-hit game, and he just looked really good uh, at the plate. So I'm not, obviously I'm pretty high on him, and I'm looking forward to the possibilities that Blake Rutherford could have and the potential he could bring to a future White Sox team. Yeah, he hits the ball hard. He hit the ball hard when he was with Kannapolis in 2017, and um when I saw him in Winston this year, he had a couple of hits in the games that I went to as well. Um, but I, I think people are just holding the uh, the power against him. But, you know, he's going to grow into that, I think. Well, Dan, as our time is closing up, I first and foremost, once again, want to say thank you so much for taking the time not only to come onto the podcast, but always for your insights on Twitter and with blogging and everything that you do to keep us updated on what's going on in the minor league system as we're so far up north here in Chicago. So thank you again. So I appreciate you asking me to come join you, and and I would be uh, happy to speak with you anytime that you uh, would like to know about what's going on down here in the minors. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, one thing that me and my buddy and co-host Tommy always joke about is uh, who can keep us updated on uh, what's going down on Old McConnell's farm, so thank you so much. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, all, all Rick Hahn puns up here. Uh, one last question for you. Um, Since we like to keep it very lighthearted on this podcast, our last question is, do you put ketchup on your hot dog? I'm a no condiment man. Uh, my thrilled hot dog is uh, burnt right off the grill with nothing on it. With nothing on it? Wow. Yeah, the hamburgers as well. I've never been a ketchup or mustard guy. That is fascinating. You got to tell me, is that a Northwest Indiana thing? <laughs> no, that's just a me thing, I guess. <laughs> well hey dan thank you so much for taking the time again and uh we're looking forward to staying in touch and uh having you on future episodes as well thanks for having me hey have a good one you too we can start talking about that interview that we just had, right? We can. So first off, thoughts. So for me, I think the big, the standout that he said was Sebi Zavala is going to make a difference in the major leagues. Yeah, it stood out to me too. This, yeah, this year, year is what he said. I was like, okay, like he's not going to say a boy because that's like a typical yeah, answer. Typical. But 
he might throw out Cease. He might throws out Sebi Zavala. Which, yeah. first off, I love that because I hate you know how much I hate our catcher depth this year. I think that Sebi Zavala should trade time with Wellington Castillo, and we'd have a really good catching core. But we signed somebody. We do. He can always be DFA'd. <laughs> we sign him for like what? What was James McCann on on the record on the books for like a couple million bucks probably? Uh, maybe, if that. What? Who? Whose idea was that? What was the thought process? Unless if we're flipping him like in mid May. No, he's not a flippable piece. Yeah, Nobody that's the thing. A- Who wants James McCann? The I White mean, Sox apparently. I, I guess heck? I I looked back at it and. I don't know if this is on the books of me saying that he's not a good defensive catcher. He actually has really good defensive metrics, um, and he's a decent pitch framer. Yeah. So it's it's nice that we have somebody that isn't terrible behind the plate because Wellington Castillo is, is not a good defensive catcher by any means. Um, not worried about it. But He's going to kill the baseball. He's going to kill the baseball. <laughs> He's going to kill the baseball love that is inside my heart. That's the only baseball he's going to kill. Thinking about that. The Sebi's I, of I all, the of all comment. Yeah. and Or, well, thinking about James McCann. Oh. I, I, I don't. You're right. I don't understand. It's with the exception of the Ricky Renteria extension that I made a comment <laughs> on last podcast. This is this is the biggest offseason move that I do not understand. It's a hiccup. For uh, sure. For sure. Uh, it's it's a I mean, it's a one year thing for sure. Um, and Hopefully, I half think, a season thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can honestly see if McCann can't get his bat into groove. Um, like if he's not, if he doesn't have an OBP of at least three, I can. That's such a low bar. Oh, it is. It's an extremely <laughs> low bar. Um, but if he doesn't have an OBP of at least three, I can see him getting DFA'd. Especially if they're feeling really good about Zavala or Collins. Because uh, yeah, they're both that's apparently starting the year in AAA. And with what we're seeing in spring ball, too, uh, Collins hit a home run today. Yeah, uh, Zavala has had a couple good outings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see both, both of them are going to start in AAA this year. Especially since yeah. they've, they've really, last year they had a lot of catcher depth for some reason in the mm-hmm. minor league system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've cut down on that big time. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've cut a lot of those, those names out. Well, so Narvaez being, the well, big yeah, Narvaez. Um, and then, I mean, I don't even think Dustin Garneau, who was in, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he's gone. I think Kevon Smith gone. I call him Kevon. <laughs> That's my name for him. Just because come, come on. on, Kevin should be spelled. K-E-V-I-N. And no, Kevon. Kevon is where he belongs. He's in Southern California with all the other Kevons. There you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it has to be a one-year thing. The James McCann, Castillo um, duo, I guess. And, like, it, what that means, the exciting part of it is, hey, next year, that means that we'll have Zach Collins and Sevi Zavala trading time. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be two young generational talents at catcher. Which who? What team has that? You're really calling Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala generational talents right now? What ha- I, haven't seen I, a major I, league at bat. Uh, I just said it, didn't I? You think I don't back up my words? Hot take, Tommy. <laughs> All I'm saying is why? Why did we sign? 
James McCann when we can just bring Savala up to the major leagues early in the season. Like what Dan said uh, about Sebi Zavala, like coming up and making a difference this year. I agreed. I, I thought that like this year would be a good year for it, but it was just, it was good to hear it from somebody who's looking at the talent every year. Um, there's just, there's a roadblock in the way that wasn't supposed to be there in one yeah. James McCann. Yeah. And I love that you brought up his Zavala comments. The one thing that stood out to me specifically, specifically about the Zavala comments, and you can hear it in my voice and in my questioning during the interview was his yeah. defense. Cause all I hear about is how he smacks the living daylights out of the ball. Yeah. He's a hitter first in, exactly. in everybody else's opinion, but he went out of his way to talk about his defense, which was cool. Yeah. It was super cool. Uh, in regards to, you know, we, we alluded to it a little bit in regards to the catchers and what we've seen out of them during spring training. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts on spring training so far, Tom? Who stood out? Who hasn't? Uh, and I know that there's a little game that you want to play with this as well. So go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, like before we get into that, that little game, uh, prediction game that I have, I, I just, I want to talk about Tim Anderson because... Holy, He's in great. Holy oh, cow. Oh, wow. He Cactus looks, League hitting champion, maybe. <laughs> yeah, which means literally nothing except the fact that, like, he's freaking ready to go. Put for a ribbon season. on it. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> put a star on it. No, um, uh, <laughs> a little Farmio yeah. action. Uh, hang a star, yeah, <laughs> hang hang, a star hang on a star, it. Hang a star yeah, on yeah, it. That's right. That's so good. I was going to say that was a hawkism, but that's nah, definitely nah, a, that's Farmio. Farmio. That's yep. Farmio. <laughs> By the way, I listened to, I, I heard, man, it, it like hit me right in the feels. I turned on the radio uh, yesterday uh, and I saw that the they were playing in, in spring training and I turned it to 720 just to see if it was on and I heard DJ and Farmio over the radio. I was like, oh, is it summer yet? Yeah, but uh, that was oh, right in the feels, right in the feels, man. There you go. Um, but I also, that meant I had to listen to Farmio like, <laughs> uh, uh, we got a 3-1 uh, yeah. count here. <laughs> Uh, that's ball four. That'll put two men on for <laughs> just no emotions at all. God. <laughs> He's like 80 years old. Anyway, um, yeah, but so the big, not a surprise at all, but the big yay so far has been Tim Anderson's performance. He's just hitting the cover off the ball, playing good defense, being Tim Anderson. Um, he knows who's on the boat with him. You know, and he knows which direction they're going. Did you hear that quote? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, he knows who's on the boat. Hey, ride or die, right? <laughs> ride or get run over. Yeah, ride with us or get run over. So, um, I mean, I'm loving it. Uh, uh, but now for, for my little game. Oh, do you have any? What's your standout so far? No, for sure. TA is definitely the, the biggest one. Yeah. Um, uh, looks like Zavala's been hitting well. True. Uh, I have seen no bright spots with, with the pitching. Pitching um, looks horrible so far. I, I, I'm not even going to comment on starters because it's really hard to comment on starters in spring yes. training. Yeah. I do want to comment on uh, something that you said <laughs> earlier uh, from our last podcast. Oh, I knew this was uh, I'm going to need a minute to pull this up, though. I knew it was coming. You wrote, uh, you wrote it down? Yes. So I was listening back on this a couple days ago just to make a point to you. So... About a, th a little bit, about 34 minutes into our podcast. I mean, spite machine. First he off, I'm titling so this, spiteful. are we done with the experiments? <laughs> okay, about 34 minutes into the podcast. Um, I We are talking about, this was during our Ricky Renteria, Ricky Renteria session. Yes. Uh, at Temple's Toe, right? Yeah. And 
you talk about how the bullpen is everything, the bullpen, this and that. Oh, We're God. becoming a bullpen heavy league. We are. Um, so I stand by here it. we go. I make a comment saying we don't have five or six deep referring to our bullpen and our depth, right? Okay. And you go, please, da, 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 continue talking, right? You say we have five starters that only need to go six in. Yes. Okay. You continue to say that we have a laundry list of guys that can go in the seventh inning. Did I say laundry list? You said the exact words that came out of my <laughs> mind, came out of my <laughs> mouth right there. Quote unquote laundry list of guys in the, in the seventh or that oh, can go in the seventh. I love it. Would you like to touch on that a little bit more after following, uh, following our uh, spring training over the last week? Can I yeah, have? man, I was. So Juan Manaya, what are you, he walked four guys in a row again, so or five guys in a row again. Just as I shouted out ago. to you on Twitter and three people, four people liked it. Yeah. Are we done with the Juan Manaya experiment? Yeah, it, we we are done with the Juan Manai experiment. He's okay. not he's not major leaguer. He's he just doesn't have the brains. Or oh, that was mean. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't <Wow>. have. <laughs> he's hidden on the intelligence. He doesn't wow. have the the mental toughness. You know, Where he doesn't have he doesn't have that um that edge. You know that you need. The killer instinct or whatever, if you will. Okay. Um, he, I'm sure he's plenty smart. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Speaking of killer instinct. <laughs> yeah. How about our, our boy who believes in himself and I think is the only person that believes in his abilities? Carson Fulmer. Oh, Carson Fulmer. Okay, so he also has getting, been getting shelled, and I thought he might be able to you know, put something together this year. Don Cooper's real high on him still, which is weird that he's so high on him after all that he's scoofed up. But here's the thing that really put me in a corner today was I was listening to the game and uh, Tiago Vieira got out on the mound today and just got rocked. Yeah. Like it was 3-0 when he got in the game. Yeah, I think it was 8-0 when he left. It was not pretty. Yeah, I was really high on on Thiago Vieira uh, going into last year. Yeah, uh, I went down and saw him actually pitch in Charlotte. Yeah, last year, um, Charlotte was losing most of the game. They came back, scored I think one or two runs in the bottom of the eighth, mm -hmm. uh, and they tied it up to go into the ninth. If I'm remembering this correctly. Mm -hmm. And Vieira blew it. Vieira blew it. And I had looked at the stat line and just everything. Just watching him even pitch on the big league level last year. It was. Yeah. I don't either. He's not ready or he doesn't have the stuff either. Uh, yeah. It's looking so, more and more like he just doesn't have the stuff. Because he had like uh, ERA over seven over in his time in the major leagues last year. Right. It was. Yeah. So my laundry list is getting a little shorter. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean hey the top end of that bullpen still looks pretty good the column the uh calvin herrera the nate jones of the world uh, jones doesn't look good either what? that's the one thing too and it's hard he's to judge healthy, though he's it's healthy. hard to judge and yeah. it's nice to think about how he is healthy but he has not looked good either yeah um it's, and I, i'm getting worried uh guys like him 
And uh, one more name that I need to mention is Aaron Bummer. Oh um, man! Oh, I have never been an Aaron Bummer believer. <laughs> no, I haven't uh, every, either. Every time yeah. he takes the mound, I say, "What a bummer!" Yeah, that's always been my big joke. Uh, nonetheless, I am not a firm believer in this laundry list. Uh, I it's going to really to, come. You down. had to throw my words back at me. I did. Uh, uh, I will give you one bright spot though. It's really going to come down to the development of of. Some young guys, uh, yeah. especially when it comes to Ryan Burr. Yep. And when it comes to Ian Hamilton, Ian Hamilton. I'm still yeah, firm believers say. in these guys. And I'm so that, hoping that their puts, stuff is still good. I mean, hey, that, that gives us five guys that we believe in, right? Burr, Hamilton, which is hilarious. It's Hamilton always, and Burr, baby. It's always going to be hilarious that we have Hamilton and Burr. Um, hopefully, Burr doesn't shoot, shoot Hamilton. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> All right. Um, and then we have Colome and Herrera. And Nate Jones, and those are the if we and like you know three of those five guys are not locks, right? But that's mm-hmm. five guys. That's a five deep bullpen if it pans out. And then you throw in a name, you know, just just on the outside, Caleb Frere. You know, hey, yeah, he did okay. He's not good. Uh, like I'm not like my expectations aren't sky high for him, but that's okay. And then hey, if if Thiago Vera ends up finding it, that's great. That's an addition. If Fulmer ends up finding it, that's great. That's an addition. You know. And that's this is kind of where I was coming from when I when I said we had bullpen depth, but you know, looking at so far in spring training, that bullpen depth is just not there. It, they've been getting shelled every outing, and you know it's still early, but man, do they look bad right now? Um, so that being said, uh, the predictions game that I wanted to the that I wanted to play is who's going to be. Let's our, do it. I'm excited. Uh, who's going to be our Big <laughs> name guy that's gonna be um, not making the team. So what's gonna be the surprise not making the team? Where I want your prediction on that, and I want a prediction on who's gonna be the surprise that uh, the underdog kind of uh, story where he makes the team and nobody expected it, or if not, he makes the team. He makes takes a huge step and ends up on AAA or something like that, or uh, um, ends up wowing the the big wigs. Okay. So speaking of pitchers that got have been getting shelled, uh, that I had hope in. Yes. Manny Benuelos. Oof. Yeah. Um, I had hope that Manny Benuelos was going to be our number five starter. Yeah. I'm done with that. Yeah. He is not going to be on your. So that's on your 25. That's okay? your that's your Manny surprise Benuelos name is, that's not going to make is, it. I guess it might not be a surprise to a lot of people, but if. Especially well, with there was a lot of hype for him. There was there was a lot of hype for him going into this month. Yeah, and I think because of the results that we're seeing, Manny Ban will be seeing you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at that point, uh, with that too, one name that I was hoping would make the list, but is, is this your underdog still, pick or is this? Is this your underdog pick? Who's gonna make it, or is this your? Who's gonna make it? Okay, let's go. I'm gonna go with Ryan Goins. Really? Yes. Okay, I um, like that. I think the middle infield depth is something that the team is going to be looking to fill. Okay. Uh, especially since I know the utilization of Glory is going to be more outfield based. Yeah. Definitely. So, with that being said, I can see Ryan Goins making the roster. Wow. I'm impressed. 
I'm I'm happy I had this this little uh, predictions thing going. Uh, that's great. That's you, great. You got guys. I I got guys too. Um, and you know I've uh, it was ma- it was mainly influenced by today. Uh, I think people slotted Tiago Vieira in as a bullpen guy to start the season this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing it. The Fair. dude the dude just doesn't have it. He's getting up there in age. He's he was a Brazilian guy that we picked up a long time ago, and now he's what like twenty seven, twenty eight, something like that. He's getting up there in years. And like, if he doesn't have it at this point, he doesn't have it, you know. Or we can throw him to another organization and you know get something in return, hopefully, because he still has velocity, but he just man. So that's my name of uh, of a guy that's gonna surprise in not making the team, and a guy who's gonna surprise in making the team. Or uh, I don't. I don't actually think. Uh, this is my thing. Is the reason why I put the caveat in. Like he's gonna wow. Um, maybe move up in his position in the uh, minor leagues. I don't think he's gonna make it. Um, but I'm going with Sebi Zavala, and I know that's a name that we already talked about a lot. So it's not a big wow, but like I think he's gonna put a name out there for like in a in a way that White Sox fans cannot ignore it. Uh, the way that he's going to present himself this this season, um, and then uh, a little treat for you, a third name. Um, I think that Blake Rutherford is going to be huge uh, with the bat in the in the spring training, um, and put himself back on a list of people that people are the uh, of a list of minor leaguers that White Sox fans are going to be paying attention to. No, absolutely. I will <laughs> definitely. I want to touch on Blake Rutherford too for just a hot second because. He does not get enough credit for what he did down yeah. in high A last year uh, for how young he is as yeah. well. He's 21, 22. Uh, he hit over 300. Mm-hmm. He, I know he, he, the power numbers are not there. Personally, that's fine because he is one of those guys where he's younger and the power can develop. It's yeah. not like somebody like that's Madrigal huge. who's played X amount of years in college. Yeah. He's already kind of developed his skill set. Yeah. Um, I mean, his power numbers can still rise too. Yeah. Um, but hearing like that comparison, like Altuve to like Madrigal, like obviously like that kind of power is not going, that's not president. Yeah. And for it, somebody it was like good Madrigal to hear. And yeah. a spray chart. It was Dan good to really, hear from Dan uh, saying like, okay, let's temper those expectations. Absolutely. I think White Sox nation in general has him as listed as their golden boy. And it's just a little much for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially touching on to what Dan said in regards to Matt Lyle kind of working on Gavin Sheets power. I can almost see that happening with Blake Rutherford as well. Yeah. Especially in his move up to double A. I think that's going to be a big focus of his game. And I think that's something that yeah. is going to come in back into his repertoire. Great. Because once mm-hmm. again, in high A, I think a lot of that team, guys like Gavin Sheets, guys like Blake Rutherford, um, all those guys have been focusing a lot on making solid contact. Yeah. Right. So with that, I think with Matt Lyle coming into the system, helping these guys develop that power to their swing, I, I think I can really see guys like Blake Rutherford, guys like Gavin Sheets really increasing their power. And that's going to be huge for Blake Rutherford and his, and his game and yep. the way in which people are going to see him as a prospect. So what we're saying to you, White Sox Nation, is pay attention to Blake Rutherford. He's 
working his ass off just, down there in the minor league, or just a, a MLB pipeline in general. Give him I think some credit. Disres- it was honestly disrespectful, I think, for him to be dropped on the White Sox list as he was. Yeah, that was it's ridiculous. So that's that's why he was my little treat name. I wanted to throw in there. Fair. Um, yeah, but I like the predictions that we got there. Let's see how they turn out. For sure. No more Manny Band. No. Bye bye Manny Band. <laughs> to me I, I just I don't think that you guys are really listening when I s- Wait, um, <laughs> all right so we want uh-huh. to uh, end our podcast the way that we ended our last podcast and the way that we en- want to end every podcast from here every on Every single one. Yes. And we want to address it before, because we know we're about to receive flack uh, for our statements. So, Steve, why don't you start off with your defense of what we are about to say? So, in regards to receiving flack, I don't think we're going to receive as much flack as you may think. Oh, I think we're going to hear about it. But I, we're a little bit from some people, mm-hmm. especially in regards to where I'm going to come from. Yep. Because my big screw you middle finger goes still goes up to Jerry Reinsdorf, mm-hmm. uh, especially yep. with the way the Bulls are being run right now. Yeah, that too, yeah. With the way the White Sox are unable to spend in free agency, how mm-hmm. Jose Abreu is still the biggest contract that the White Sox have ever he given is, out. He is the GOAT. We're going to cut it there. Um, <laughs> we're going to cut you off right there Never. before you say any more. All of that being said, it still goes out to, to Jerry, and it goes out to Kenny Williams, too, for trying to defend the White Sox being cheap. Because yeah. I will say the yeah. White Sox are were being cheap. Okay. By not going after a Machado or by not giving Machado guaranteed money by saying that three hundred million was over what they wanted to give Bryce Harper. Yeah. Now, all that being said, in Han I still trust because of hmm. what we have seen. Now, I know Kenny Williams still hangs on to those coattails of being GM yep. during the 2005 World Series, yep. during the 2008 uh, playoff push, mm-hmm. and getting in in game 163 against the Twins. Yep. However, with what Rick Hahn has been given to him, I am still believing in and trusting in the prospects. I'm still trusting and believing in this rebuild, mm-hmm. and I'm trusting and believing in the moves that he is going to make with the limited resources that are being allotted to him from above. Yeah, Tom. And then on my side, I'm saying in Han we trust because he's got a proven track record of handling uh, free agent acquisitions and flipping them for quality talent and uh you know we saw it last year with names like uh Cedeno, with names like Joaquim Soria and those guys you know they we got them for scraps we developed them back or got them back to a position where they were uh desirable for other teams flipped them 
and got talent for what we spent almost nothing and got a lot in return. And that's the kind of wheeling and dealing that I trust Rick Hahn to continue to do. And I think he's going to. Uh, and we're going to forgive him in the long run because, hey, like Steve said, not all his fault, A, and B, he's got a proven track record. It's all uphill from here. For sure. That all that being said. All that being, all said, that being said. Rebuild or bust. In Han we trust. Have a good one.